Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel Bible Study on this Wednesday, September the 28th in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and the Bible study for today is going to be from Proverbs chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. Now, the first eight or nine chapters of Proverbs, Solomon is talking to his son and giving him advice from wisdom, namely from Jesus Christ himself. And then beginning after that section, the rest of Proverbs have a whole bunch of statements and sayings that are not really about, well, shall we say, civil righteousness, but they're about the third use of the law. In other words, what are the three uses of the law that God has? The first one is used by the government to discipline criminals. And therefore, if you go with the speed limit, you get a ticket, etc. That's the first use of the law. The next two uses are used in the church. The second use is accusation. The law becomes a mirror to show that we need Jesus Christ as our Savior because we're great sinners and are unable to save ourselves. Now, the third use of the law is simply information. From whom? It's actually information from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us guidance as to how to live according to the will of God. And so this chapter 13 is really information about the difference between a believer who is wise and an unbeliever who is a scoffer. And that starts right off with verse 1 of chapter 13. It reads, A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Now, what does that mean? Well, the word a wise son hears is much more than you just listen to your father. A better understanding would be a wise son heeds his father's, and the word instruction is really the Hebrew word for discipline, because every son growing up is a sinner and needs to hear the discipline of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So a wise son, which means he's a believer and therefore desires to follow God's will, he heeds his father's discipline. I've given this example before, but I'll say it again so you know how the word hear has a double meaning. I'm going to the garage and I say to my son, don't go in the basement while I'm gone. When I come back, guess where he's gone? He's gone in the basement. Because 
children love to disobey their parents. They want to remain independent. They have an attitude, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And so when I see that he's gone in the basement, I call down into the basement, son, did you not hear me? And he says, oh, yeah, dad, I heard what you said. But that's not what I mean by hear. For him to hear me would mean that he would also obey me. It's kind of like when you go to a doctor and he gives you prescriptions, but you refuse to take them. He'll say, did you not hear me as to what you are to take while you're ill? And you will say, yes, I I heard you. But he means by that, why did you not heed me? Why did you not listen? Why did you not obey? So a wise son heeds his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Now, a scoffer also is understood as a mocker, a mocker of Jesus. We recently had a gospel reading where Jesus is talking about not to love riches. A man cannot serve two masters, God and money. But the Pharisees, it says, when they are hearing Jesus as unbelievers, they scoff at him and they make fun of him because they love money. So they are the scoffers, the unbelievers, that do not listen to rebuke. Now, the word rebuke actually refers to a harsh reprimand. I guarantee you, when Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, when Peter was arguing that Jesus would go to Jerusalem to die on the cross, that that was a harsh rebuke. And so Jesus did harsh rebukes, not only to unbelievers, but also to believers who would not heed his instruction. Verse 2, chapter 13. From the fruit of his mouth, a man eats what is good, but the desire of the treacherous is for violence. Now, One other way of looking at this, the fruit of his mouth, from that, a man eats well. It's kind of like, well, we don't have them around too much anymore, but I loved Chinese buffets. And I would go there, and there would be about, boy, 40 or 50 different plates to take food from. They're not open these days because of the Chinese virus, but instead they're closed and it's hard to find a good buffet. So when you go to the buffet, you eat what you know is good for you. From the fruit of his mouth means that a Christian says things that are well and good. So he doesn't break the commandment, for example, 
thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That doesn't mean that you tell a lie only about your neighbor. That's included in the commandment. It also means you should not tell the truth to someone who should not hear it because you're breaking the confidentiality. So we pastors, we hear a lot from members about sins they have done and they repent of them and get forgiveness. But we don't mention the sin or the person in the sermon that week because that would be breaking confidentiality. So from the fruit of the mouth of a pastor, we do that which is good. But the desire of the treacherous is for violence. Now, the word desire can also be translated as appetite. So that when I go to a buffet, there are certain foods that may not be good for me. They still may be delicious, but they may be having too much salt or sugar or other ingredients. So my appetite is really to get what I want. And we have an appetite to be treacherous for violence. What do we mean by that? What Solomon is saying is that we love to hear something bad about someone else, and then we want to spread it. And, and why do we want to tell others about bad things happening to people we know? For a very simple reason. It makes us look good in the eyes of others. So our appetite of the treacherous that is those that you should not trust, is for violence. And that violence doesn't have to be an action. According to the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill, Luther's explanation is that commandment is broken, not just by deed, but also by thought or by word. So, Maybe there's a girl who likes a guy, but there's another girlfriend he has. So she begins to speak against the girlfriend. Maybe things are true, but she's doing it so that he will no longer go out with her, but instead with him. That's the, the appetite of the treacherous. Verse 3, again talking about the mouth. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips come to ruin. Now, that's saying that you may think something bad about someone. Uh, for example, uh, you may be on Easter morning meeting a friend of yours, a couple, and the wife has a new hat. And she says, what do you think of my new hat? Well, you don't like the hat, 
but you're not going to look at her and say, oh, that's a terrible hat. You don't look good in it at all. No, she took time to buy it. She's wearing it because she looks good to herself. And so you would guard your mouth and you would say, boy, that's really interesting, that hat you're wearing. It caught my eye right away. So in that way, you guard your mouth and preserve your life, your reputation. But he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. So that's very important in the church. There was, and I've said this a number of times, but to give you an example, there's a church service going on and a member of the Hells Angel Motorcycle Club comes in and sits down in the pew. He doesn't seem to pray with the rest of the members. He stands, but he doesn't move his lips. He doesn't sing the hymns. And after the service, he leaves immediately and does not greet anyone. And a woman comes up to the pastor, who's been a longtime member, and she says, what are we doing letting people like that into our sanctuary? And the pastor responds, well, we let you come in. That's a great response because it shows that though she is looking at the member of the Hell's Angels with a view that's very negative, she forgets about the negative view that God has toward her with her sin. And even that statement is a sin because the Christian church welcomes anyone to attend a worship service. We don't welcome everyone to take the Lord's Supper until they've gone through adult instruction to understand what's going on. But nobody should be turned away if they are going to properly be there to hear a worship service. So that's how we guard our mouth, preserving our life. But he who opens wide his lips, well, that can come to ruin. People will not trust you. Verse 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. I've been interested in being a kind of interim pastor at four congregations that are rural, and they're all involved with some kind of farming. And so I've been looking at YouTube being amazed at the machines that John Deere puts out to plant as well as to harvest the various items that are grown. And there's some programs where the people are really, really working hard. That's the soul of the diligent, the hardworking, is richly supplied. While the soul of the sluggard, that's a lazy person, he desires to get good stuff, but he gets nothing because he doesn't take care of his John Deere machines properly, doesn't repair them. 
they keep breaking down in the field or they're not gathering the harvest properly. Whereas someone who is hardworking even puts additional attachments on the machines that are planting or harvesting to make it work smoother and more efficient. Well, that's true also for the Christian. The slow soul of the lazy Christian desires a lot of things, but does not really prepare for them properly and gets nothing. Look at how many businesses begin and fail the first year because the people are not understanding how to do the business properly and receive proper profits. Verse 5, the righteous hates falsehood, but the wicked brings shame and disgrace. Now, a better understanding is the righteous hates a lie. That's falsehood. Do you know somebody who always tends to lie? The righteous, which means you're justified by Jesus, we hate a lie because Jesus hates a lie. And therefore, the wicked, the unbelievers, end up bringing shame and disgrace. Now, that can come either from God or it can come in the eyes of another person. When you learn that someone keeps lying all the time, in your eyes, they are shameful and disgraceful. So the Holy Spirit is giving us insight not to tell lies because not only does the Holy Spirit hate them, but it brings shame and disgrace. Verse 6, Righteousness guards him whose way is blameless, but sin overthrows the wicked. Now, who can deny that? When you are righteous in the eyes of God, your way is therefore blameless. In fact, that's what another part of Proverbs says, that the righteous people, the Christians, the believers, are blameless in the eyes of God because their sins are forgiven. But those who continue to sin, it overthrows the wicked. It makes them look bad in the eyes of others. Seven, one pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Now, that verse can be understood that you know how many people like to be seen as being rich. They'll even buy an expensive car or an expensive house, or they'll buy additional property, etc., because they pretend to be rich, but from God's point of view, they have nothing. Because when they die, none of that will be taken to heaven. Whereas others 
who are poor really have great wealth. We know many people overseas are being persecuted for being a Christian. They're not given enough to eat. They're not given medical care. And yet they have great wealth because they have the forgiveness of sins and heaven as their home. Verse 8 continues with this idea of wealth. The ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but a poor man hears no threat. You know what that is saying? That for a rich man, what he thinks is most important is his wealth. And therefore, you can ransom him, kidnap him, and then demand wealth from his family for him to be restored. But a poor man hears no threat against him because he has no wealth. And therefore, the threat is not against his wealth, which he does not have. So a poor man may not be able to pay for his sins, which no one can, but he hears no threat because being righteous, God has forgiven his sins. Verse 9, the light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. If that isn't true, when you're righteous, what is your light? It's the hope you have in Jesus Christ. And so regardless of what you're going through, uh, a sickness or some kind of suffering, you still will rejoice as you remember the promises of the light of Christ, and that is the comfort you receive. But the lamp of the wicked will be put out. It means it will be extinguished because there is no hope in the wicked's lamp. 10. By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. Now the word insolence means arrogance against godly people. And when people are arrogant, it produces nothing but strife because they open their mouth and say things that are inappropriate. But with those who take advice, namely they are advised by the Holy Spirit not to open your mouth, not to open wide your lips and come to ruin. Ruin, that's wisdom. 11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. How many people have lost a lot of their money they put into stocks and bonds because they were convinced that something is really going to grow, and so they put all their money into it. And guess what? It quickly dwindles. It's a well-said story that people who gain a lot of money through the lottery 
it's not long before they lose it all. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. In other words, when you're more careful in the stock market, buying enough to help you, but not so much to dwindle your resources, that will increase. And that's true also in the spiritual realm. Verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Now that phrase, tree of life, occurs only a few times in Proverbs, but it reminds us of the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. In other words, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And our desire as a Christian is to die in the faith. The tree of life, well, Adam and Eve never partook of it. They were removed from the garden. But in heaven, according to the book of Revelation, the tree of life will be found again. Hope deferred means hope delayed makes the heart sick. So if your hope is not based on a promise from God, but on your own work and your own desires, guess what? When it is delayed, it makes you sick because you don't think you're able to achieve anything in contrast to the promises of the desire of the tree of life is wonderful. 13, whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. You don't have to go far in the ministry of Jesus because when the disciples despised his word, they brought destruction on themselves. But those who feared his commandment were rewarded, and they were rewarded with a perfect relationship with Jesus Christ. Proverbs 13, 1 to 13, great law and gospel fodder, and we'll continue that tomorrow. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.